You're listening to Blissful Prospecting, and today we're talking to Adam Beaton, sales development rep at Lead IQ, about how to nail your first 90 days as a new SDR. One question that I always like to ask people is, you know, if you could go back in time and give yourself advice as a first-time sales rep, you know, what would you say, knowing what you know now? And this question is particularly fascinating to me because a lot of the people that we work with and that follow our content, and maybe you, if you're listening to this, are fairly new to sales. Maybe you've only been doing it for less than a year or two. And there's a lot of things that just take time. You know, it's just like learning any other skill. You have to really just engross yourself, you know, in everything and the industry and the prospects and like talk to people and talk to people at work and read books and listen to podcasts like this and do all kinds of stuff. And what I wanted to do today and what I thought would be really cool is to talk to someone that's, you know, four or five months on the job and really get their perspective on how the first 90 days went, what they would have done differently, what they feel went well, and all of that good stuff. So that if you're fairly new to sales or you're new to sales development or prospecting, and even if you've been doing it for a while, I actually learned a lot from this episode as well. But before we dig into that, my name is Jason Bay. I'm the host of Blissful Prospecting. And my goal in this show is to really help you think outside the script in your prospecting and share proven tactics and strategies to help you land more meetings with your ideal clients. And today I'm talking to Adam Beaton, who is an SDR at Lead IQ. You know, he's four or five months in the role, no previous sales experience. And what we're going to talk about today is really how he went about learning the industry and the people that he prospects into. He has a really cool system for coaching himself that he goes through. So he listens to his own calls in the morning and has a system that he uses for that. And then, of course, we're going to talk cold calling and cold call openers and how he does all that stuff. So make sure to check it out. I think you're really going to enjoy the interview. And before we dig into that, one quick announcement. We are hosting a summer virtual tour. And the goal of this really is to not be one of those sales webinars that goes on and on for hours and doesn't give you anything actionable. We want to do the exact opposite. We want to do something live make it actionable so that there's one or two things that you can take away to prospect better, smarter, and get more meetings set. And it's called Think Outside the Script. And you can check it out at tour.blissfulprospecting.com. It's free. It's live. We're going to be talking about how to cold email, how to cold call, how to use LinkedIn, personal branding, all kinds of cool stuff. Check it out, blissfulprospecting.com. And you can either go to Summer Virtual Tour or go to tour.blissfulprospecting.com. That'll take you right there. And let's get to the interview. Uh, so we were introduced. I put put up a post on LinkedIn, and I think it was John. Was it John or was maybe it was uh, Frosty? Yep. It that was okay, Frosty tagged you, and uh, he's like, "Hey, you need to talk to this guy." And what I was really interested in is that you just started, right? You're five, six months in, right, as an SDR at Lead IQ. Yeah, this will be coming up on month four, so it's oh, it's, month four. Yeah, it's pretty new. <laughs> Dang. So let's talk first about how you got into sales because you, like most people, have a very untraditional path into sales, but yours is pretty unique. So how did you even get into this job? Yeah. So, and I think you're totally right. Like everyone I usually talk to has either been an intern or they've been like something so different. It's just fun to see what they have been through. But I basically got out of college and didn't have much of a direction. And um, I did... Uh, two things. I joined a CrossFit gym and I started working for my cousin who had a startup business selling like sheets and towels online. Um, and unfortunately, due to some like family stuff, it never really worked out. And I went into construction um, to learn how to build custom homes. But I oh, always wow. kept that CrossFit um, as like a supplement to my income and like my, my lifestyle, and my hobby. Um, and then basically just realized that you know, building homes was not something I wanted to pursue for the rest of my life. And uh, one of my good friends from high school, Annie Roach, who was actually an account executive at Lead IQ, I reached out to her while I was applying for HubSpot. And she was like, 100%, I can get you an interview because HubSpot was taking forever. <laughs> yeah. So why sales, though? Like you went from construction, which we talked about before, 
And uh, yeah, I come from construction yeah, and house painting primarily. We did some other light kind of stuff, but building houses, I mean, there's there's a lot harder things you can do besides painting. <laughs> but uh, so why sales? Like, how did you go from construction into like, oh, maybe I want to work for HubSpot? <laughs> That's a great question. So basically, um, I enjoy being a craftsman. I think that the revolution of bringing back like the craftsmen into millennials and Gen Z is like a really good thing. Yeah. Um, what I found myself doing on job sites was I was the one talking to customers and like reassuring them about how the project's going to go and how everything is going to work when the boss is gone. Um, and then with my experience with CrossFit, you know, my whole job is to make people's lives better and to make them healthier, happier, and more successful within their everyday life. And I found that niche that I just really started to uncover every single day more and more and more that, you know, I, I think I belong talking to people or, you know, providing people a solution um, other than using labor in my craftsman skills. And yeah. the good thing about it, Jason, is like, I can do that on the weekend still. <laughs> and I get asked all the time still. Yeah. So it sounds like the path into sales for you is you like helping people. And yeah. you saw this as a way to help people. Did you have any misconceptions about what sales was or that it was this dirty thing based on sort of what you see in movies and <laughs> all that stuff? Because I think the only movie I watched on sales was like Wolf of Wall Street. Of course. And I was like, I'm definitely not like that guy. Like, <laughs> or, <laughs> You don't you seem know, like that guy at all. <laughs> no. <laughs> or like when you grow up, right, you have like, you know, the telemarketer calls your dad and he tells him to like F himself and like, yeah. like oh, man, I don't want to deal with that. So I, it was it was definitely like a, uh, a look I had on sales that I wasn't sure what I was really going to get into until I started. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. And I'm curious because you have this fresh perspective being four or five months in here. Are there any times where you've been selling so far where you encounter this like, oh, I have to strike a balance between selling and like getting the sale, which may or may not always feel good versus like helping and knowing that I need to help this. You, you also have a job to do, right? And this is that weird balance that we have where people say selling is helping and like, yeah, I agree. But you also need to sell stuff to people. And sometimes some people need a little bit of a, a push in the right direction if it's something they in fact need that would be helpful for them. But if you had these sort of inner yin and yang, you know, kind of yeah. <laughs> kind of battles. Oh, yes. And yeah. 100%. Um, when I go to coach someone on how to lift a barbell, they're not going to push back because I'm their coach and they know that I'm there to help them. I'm not there to like, you know, push something that they're not sure on about. Um, when I got on my first couple of phone calls, I definitely found myself going like, you know what? it might not sound like the right time. Let me just shoot you an email in like a month or two and then we'll circle back to it, right? And they always were just like, okay, cool, fine. Um, I look back on those calls and I listen to them again like two months later and I'm like, wow, that was a sale. Like <laughs> I yeah. totally should have pushed him to at least try the product out. So there's like a, a, a gap of like having this conscience of like, okay, you need to know that this person needs something but at the same time, you can push them in a little bit in the right direction. It's not going to be a bad thing. Yeah, that's this. Uh, it's so weird because some people never get past that. They never get past this. I need to push just a little bit. I need to add it just the tiniest bit of pressure because mm -hmm. I'm guessing that person never emailed you back after you emailed them, right? Because they no. never do. <laughs> I did make sure I went back and I called them personally. That's good. <laughs> you're like, hey, I'm yeah. new on the job. Okay, I didn't know that when you told me to email something, you're really just saying that you're not interested. Let's exactly. talk about that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and it is. It's it was it was honestly really hard because yeah. you know I I the whole reason I got into sales was to help people, and I knew yeah. I could chat with people and you know provide them a service, and I didn't want to be the pushy salesman. But in reality, you know as long as you've done your research and you know that it's mm -hmm. someone that can use your product or at least take a look at it, it's not a bad thing to push someone in the right direction to at least see what you have to offer. Yeah. If we're using the gym analogy or the CrossFit analogy, it's, it's like, Hey, I'm not going to push you to do CrossFit. Just come to the gym and try it one time. Definitely. And I think that's kind of the model that they run right now. You know, mm -hmm. if you know, CrossFit people are going to have their <laughs> stigmas about it. I'm sure yeah. you've heard it as well. And it's something you either kind of fall into or you don't. 
Um, and it, that that's a super important business model to just have someone be able to like, hey, you can come try it. We're not going to push you towards it at all, but it is something that can help you live a longer, healthier life. You know, same same with the the prospecting platform I sell. I mean, you can you can do manual data entry, but or you could check this out. So, so this is really interesting. I want to kind of keep this theme going. Uh, conviction is another thing that I when I'm working with sales teams, oftentimes it's that thing that's missing. It's the person saying all the right things, but you can tell in their tone, it doesn't come out that they really believe in what they're doing or that it will be helpful. Was there a process at all for you and like really believing in lead IQ, which you obviously do now, but was there a process there where that conviction, much like you have with CrossFit, where you're just like, yes, this is the best thing ever. Was there a process in getting to that point? Well, I think there kind of has to be because you got to look at it in the light of if you don't really know what you're selling, it's going to be really, really hard. Um, When I first joined CrossFit, for example, I didn't know how to do any of the movements. So there's no way that I would be able to become a coach within a week because that just doesn't happen. Um, When you get kind of thrown into sales, into a sales job, you know, they basically do kind of tell you like, hey, you're going to make cold calls on the, you know, third or fourth week. Um, and it is hard to sell something that you don't really know or fully understand. Um, and I think that takes a better um, view on how, how you want to approach that as a person. Um, you, you know, you can either kind of fake it till you make it and or you can put it upon yourself to learn the software a little bit more and understand the, the, the space that you're selling into and whatnot. Um, but it was definitely a, an interesting way into that. <laughs> what did you do to better understand your prospects and like who they were and what their challenges were and what, why they even le- like or use Lead IQ? Yeah, good question. It wasn't easy. I'll tell you that. Um, yeah. I didn't know what SaaS was. I didn't know what the term ICP was. Um, and it's just because I'd never been in the space, you know, coming from building homes. All I needed to know was two by fours and blueprints. Um, so. <laughs> And so it, it just takes that extra like, okay, I know I'm new. Um, if I'm going to call this guy that's in cybersecurity, but I don't really understand how cybersecurity works uh, or how they make money, then we should not be talking. Um, and we actually just got a new SDR manager, uh, Jillian Clancy, and she is really awesome about helping us understand where we need to be at in terms of knowing our customers. And that's been a really big help for me. Basically, I just started blocking off time to research my companies. You know, I would I would say, hey, I'm going to do cybersecurity this this week, or I'm going to take you know five target accounts and really understand how they work, how they make money, who I'm reaching out to, and and put it that way. So I wasn't really trying to go into these cold calls totally blind, right? Yeah. What process did you guys use to like? So if we use cybersecurity security, excuse me, as an example, what process did you go through to understand who the person was that you're reaching out to? Because if I'm understanding correctly, you're probably going after directors of sales development or VPs of sales, I imagine, or your persona. Yeah. How do you learn more about the industry and the and the people? What was the process? Or do you guys have playbooks and stuff? Like, what was that process like? So it's kind of varies like rep to rep over here, um, especially how much you want to dedicate yourself into it. Um, I try to do as much as I can because the more I know about them, the more you know quality conversations I can have at the end of the day. It really starts with LinkedIn, you know, the place where they live. They're going to put their bio and they're going to put, you know, even like the charities and what they've volunteered and done. If you scroll down to the end of the page and the recommendations they've given or have been given, that says a lot to a certain prospect. And usually from there, I try to take like five more minutes to go back into the company I'll see when they've raised funding series. I'll try to go on like Aller.com and look at their competition and understand like maybe other companies I've heard of that are in the competitive space. So they kind of do the same thing. Um, Cause I'll be honest, I'll still look at some companies and I'll look at their LinkedIn bio description and be like, I just, I just don't, I don't know what you do. <laughs> hey, I've been doing this for a while, man. I've been selling for a while and there's still companies and that's not your fault, by the way, that is shitty messaging. On their website. If you can't figure out looking at that website, like what they do to me, that's really crappy messaging. No, their bio is just, it's just all this mumbo jumbo that I, I have to dig like, you know, 10 more minutes and be like, Oh, that's yeah. what, oh my God. Okay. I could have just said that. 
<laughs> so it sounds like a lot of when you're just trying to get a basic understanding of like the types of people that you're reaching out to, looking at a person's LinkedIn profile and digging a little bit deeper. I love recommendations, by the way. That's a really good personalization technique too. If you can find out what people recommend about them, because you're going to find certain personality traits usually about that person. You can, you can connect it you know, to what you're doing. Um, how did you learn about, so like what industries do you sell into usually? Yeah. So we sell into, you know, computer software, yeah. internet, um, IT tech service, mm. all that kind of stuff. How did you learn about SaaS? Like what kind of, well, and maybe give some context. I know we're kind of getting into the weeds, but this is the first thing that, like I said, when I'm working with sales teams, I noticed that a lot of the people doing the prospecting, and it's not even people that are new to it, they don't really understand who the people are that they're reaching out to in general. Right. Um, so is this something like you did during working hours or is this something you did after work? Like, how did you learn just about the yeah. industry that you're reaching out to and like SaaS and like how that works? And, you know, MRR, for example, is something that a VP of sales is going to care a lot about, right? right? ARR, like how did you learn about all that different stuff? So I have this thing and like basically when I'm doing my prospecting, like thank God for google.com. Like if I don't know a word, like even in my Slack channel, TCV, all these words that I just was not used to Google it, like, and then take five minutes out of your day, really try to understand what that is. Um, and a lot of this would be done off of work because I try to focus on like making sure I have the right accounts and, you know, focus on quality calls throughout the day. And then be like, okay, these are like the things I really just did not get today. Let's spend like 30 to 40 extra minutes after work, not a lot of time, dissect it, really understand and learn what these phrases and words mean. Um, and then honestly, Jason, the other half really came from talking to prospects who haven't used a software as a service for like a prospecting platform. Mm -hmm. They were really the ones that I could have these conversations with and realize like, oh, okay, so they're not using a B2B um, database provider. They don't even know that they could have this whole entire workflow and save money, you know? And like, until I started having those kind of conversations, I, it was really hard to pinpoint like, how, how does software as a service actually affect sales leaders? And how am I gonna sell into that? Yeah, did you find that amongst even different industries of SaaS, like IT, versus something that's a little maybe more traditional where they even talk about like they use different phrasing for example like some call it prospecting some call it outbound yeah. some call it lists some call it data some and, call it contacts you know there's just all kinds of different names i've noticed for stuff that people the nomenclature i guess is what that's called yeah and it makes my life that much more difficult because yeah. you know the boolean searches i will do on LinkedIn sales navigator, they'll, you can be called anything from a sales development rep to an account development rep to an inside sales rep to, you know, and, you know, and it, it, it's extensive, right? Mm -hmm. So it really takes, you know, reaching out to these companies and um, you're not going to know everything. You know, I'm four months in, there's no way I can speak like the language of a VP of a SaaS company right now, if I were to call him up, basically what I'm trying to do is understand his process and his sales team. And if he actually is involved in them directly, and if not, who can I talk to that can understand what I'm trying to give them a little bit better. Mm -hmm. Is yeah. there anything that like looking back, if you were to give yourself advice in like month one, what, what's the 80, 20 here? Like what are the two or three things that you're like, Hey, make sure to do this and avoid doing this at all costs. Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I think, the first one would be to not wait so long to make a cold call. Um, and that, that honestly came half because I was doing inbound sales to start. And then the other half, because when um, coronavirus hit and we all went to go work from home, it was like, okay, we're going to give you X amount of days to make your cold call. And then I waited until the last day because I was so nervous. So that would be number one to go back and be like, just, just pick the damn phone up, call the person it and you don't overthink it because it's probably going to be an okay conversation anyways. And if you mess up, you can just tell them a lot of sales managers and leaders that I've, you know, had awkward conversations with, or I accidentally mistyped a subject line or something. I reach back out to them and you know, they've been there and they've done that and they, they will understand and empathize with you as long as you're human with them. 
um, and, you know, not robotic about it. And you own uh, the mistake, right? And you own the mistake. Yeah. I, I got a meeting with a VP of sales one time and I sent a personalized video in there, but I didn't, I usually have a piece of paper or a whiteboard or something, but I was using it as a training exercise with a company that I was, I was like in their office. I was like, Hey guys, like, this is how you can do it. And I forgot the first name merge tag didn't populate correctly at the top of the email. Right. So he's like, Hey, you messed up the merge tags. What he responded back. And I was like, Oh my God, I'm such an idiot. But that's what I responded with was, Hey, my bad. I could totally see why you'd think this would be an automated email. And that's probably really weird, especially coming from me when I'm the guy that helps people with their prospecting. So taking ownership over it and then being like, Hey, but if it helps that video that I sent, that was personalized. If you want to take a quick look at it. And right. then I got a meeting after that, you know, because <laughs> you owned up to it. I did the yeah. same thing. I reached out to a guy on LinkedIn after I sent a bad email and he, he went something along the lines of like, I don't know if this is a strategy of yours, but it worked. <laughs> He's like, Oh, I got time next week. I'm like, yeah. yeah. I mean, that's, that's a really important lesson, man. Um, so Let's, let's keep going. Actually, I, I kind of cut you off. Is there anything else when you look back like that 80, 20 again of like things that, Hey, make sure to do this in your first 30 days and make sure to avoid doing yeah. uh, this list of things. Um, honestly, I think sometimes I did spend too much time trying to understand the SaaS space and not enough time looking to what, like what I actually sell. Um, I think I wish I kind of understood what I sold a little bit more as opposed to where I'm selling and then really transition that into, okay, I'm having these conversations. Where am I getting confused? Um, where am I going wrong in my cold calls or what am I not understanding? And then start diving into like how I can better that, right? Because you're not, like I said earlier, you can't become a master in two months and know everything about the SaaS space. A lot of stuff's just going to come up to you and you got to work your way through that. The other thing would be Salesforce and learning your, your tech stack a little bit more in, you know, for, for what you need it to be. Um, and I say that only because when you first get your, uh, your first opportunity and you forget to check Salesforce and then someone else already has that as an opportunity, that is not a fun feeling. <laughs> yeah. So this know what you sell, that's interesting because the, I would say the opposite problem of that is what most companies have where they do too much product training. That's like the only training they get. So what I am hearing from you, correct me if I'm wrong, is that you can be so focused on the people you're prospecting to that you kind of forget to look at the product and like make sure that like you have to be a master of the product that you're selling. Like you have to be yeah. the evangelist and be able yeah. to explain it to people. Yeah, you do. You, you know, you, you do and you don't. Like you don't want to be the guy that can just, uh, I've heard the expression before, like uh, they just mumble jumble about everything that the tool can do. but you want to be able to have um, that firepower in the back of your head when when they ask about you know GDPR compliance and data or like what the tool does on the backside of things just the littlest bit so you don't get caught off guard right mm -hmm. and I think that would have definitely helped me in a little bit of my earlier conversations that I look back on and now that I know these things they they just give you that extra confidence within within the conversation after you've thrown your pitch out there and you're always going to get one guy that wants to know exactly how the tool works. And you want to be able to give them some reference and, and not just say, hey, look, I'm just in sales. Like, let's just try to push you along. You know, you want to sound like you know what you're doing a little bit. <laughs> yeah, no, definitely, man. Yeah. So you went through a big transition, it sounds like, where you came on as an inbound SDR yeah. and then you switched over to an outbound SDR. What was, what was that like? That was um, pretty crazy. Uh, I bet. <laughs> You know, in IQ, we, we're starting to, you know, build a big SDR team and really starting to put ourselves out there. And um, it, it came as like a company decision. And it was like one week I was doing inbound and we were working with our VP of marketing, Ryan O'Hara, just working webinars and trying to reach out to people who have watched the webinars and, um, you know, who had signed up for trials on our website. And then all of a sudden things kind of shifted and they had everyone start to do outbound and then the inbound leads would kind of get round robin to everybody. And that was totally, totally crazy. Like I, I was so used to like almost helping build the inbound flow of things and then had to go out for net new business, which I just didn't, I just didn't really know anything about. So it was kind of like starting a whole new job. <laughs> so with, if you could share some stuff with inbound, because I get, 
asked about inbound a lot. And I think it they're not all inbounds at leads are created equal, right? I mean, someone yeah. that signs up on a webinar is not saying, Hey, I want to get a demo. Yeah. Right. Versus someone that signs up and wants to schedule a demo with you guys. What was the approach to calling someone that signs up for a, for a webinar? It It's like trying not to make it an awkward conversation. And I really? say, that, yeah, be, because you know, if I called you, it'd be in like, you know, Hey, I saw that you watched my podcast. Yeah. What, yeah, what, I did. What's up, Adam? Yeah. What'd you think about it? it and so you, you had to like, try to stray away from like the generic, like, Oh, you saw this. How was it into like, you know, what, what brought you over to lead IQ? What really made you raise your hand up? You know, I want to be here as someone who can help you. I think your company could actually benefit from what we have. It, I call it like inbound on outbound. You get a guy that raises his hand. You want to make sure the company fits their, your ICP. Um, and it could be like an SDR or an account executive, you know, and it really kind of teaches you that bottom up approach almost because mm-hmm. I wasn't going outbound on the rest of the company yet. I just didn't really either have the green light or the knowledge yet. So I was honestly talking with a lot of account executives and SDRs and some of them did convert into meetings and opportunities for the company, which was really cool. And I think it gave me a, a very interesting way on how to spark a conversation out of you know, like you said, it's not exactly like, Hey, I want a demo just cause I went to your webinar. So how would you just uh, to get sort of tactical here? How would you open up a call like that to someone? Oh goodness. So I, I would basically start with like, you know, Hey, this is Adam with lead IQ. How's it going? That'd be great. Be like, Hey, um, I saw that you actually signed up for one of our webinars, you know, not here to sell you anything. Just curious to see what you thought about it and what brought you over to it. And if it was Ryan O'Hara's crazy hair, feel free to tell me that. Yeah. So if right. the person was like, Hey, uh, I've been following you guys on LinkedIn for a while and love the stuff that you're putting out and the topic of sending better cold emails is really interesting to me. How yeah. do you then respond to that in terms of like, how do you get the, how do you get to the point of where does this, is this going to go somewhere or yeah. is this not going to go somewhere? You almost had to transition it into it. Like, putting the questions like right back on him be like, Hey, I'm so happy that you, you know, came to our webinar and you've been following us. I'm actually kind of curious to see how you guys, like, are you guys doing outbound prospecting? Is that why you guys are watching our webinars right now? And then it starts to uncover these conversations where it's like, Oh, and how many of you guys are doing outbound right now? Are you still doing outbound? Is it a total inside sales team? Right. And then you start to really uncover and unlayer this company one by one and figure out like, Oh, this is just a guy that, is an IC who just loves our stuff. Um, or this can be like a qualified opportunity and we're going to try to get this guy to use some lead IQ. <laughs> Got it. So what I'm hearing is don't do the, Hey, how's it going? Like what made you come and decide uh, that you wanted to watch this? It's like, don't stop there. It's like really dig into their situation and pay close attention. Yeah. And it's this curiosity around, well, if you're attending a webinar about cold calling, are you guys making cold calls? <laughs> yeah. How are the, how is the cold call going? How many people do you have cold calling? And I'm assuming if you're doing that bottoms up, because I do this approach as well with LinkedIn. So if someone responds to a LinkedIn post and I'm like, this company fits our ICP, I don't mind talking to an SDR or an AE because yeah. if I call you, Adam, you're going to tell me exactly what you have problems with. You know what I mean? You're be like, yeah, I'm making cold calls right now and it's, it's really tough, you know, blah, 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 blah. So I... I really like that approach. And then, then you sort of have the information that you need at that point, I would assume to qualify, disqualify, see if it makes sense to yeah. get, get an introduction or reach out to someone and use them as a reference, like that kind of thing. Exactly. You know, and, yeah. the, and then the leads would come from webinars. They, we would, we would like scrub lists of active trial users. And it was a lot of, a lot of more like, you know, manual work on our mm-hmm. end to kind of get to these people who have reached out. But it really paid off in the end because there were just people who had either been in a trial or, you know, they watched a webinar, they came to the LinkedIn page and it's kind of like a soft, like, Hey, um, I think I'm interested in lead IQ. And it goes back to like the messaging on the emails. I wouldn't really just message people and be like, Hey, I saw you signed up for Ryan O'Hara's webinar. What did you think? You know, I'd still go on to LinkedIn. I'd still be trying to, you know, for my own, uh, you know, personal gain in sales, figure out what that industry does, who this person is and how they make money. Mm-hmm. But then I'd also personalize the message. Hey, not only did I see that you came to the webinar, I actually saw that you did X, Y, and Z that relates with me. Um, pretty funny. And I wanted to see if there's any interest in lead IQ. Love it. That's such an important piece. 
on the uh, the inboundish leads is, is what I call yeah. them. Um, <laughs> what was the hardest mindset shift you had to make when you moved to outbound? Was there any mindset shifts you had to make that were challenging? Yeah, I think probably the biggest thing for me was the wording. Um, you know, because it it changed from someone who like could have a pleasant conversation with you because they kind of already know about lead IQ to reaching out to people that you're not even really sure if they've even heard of a prospecting platform and you having to put that on the table in front of them. And that honestly was so nerve wracking to have, get into a conversation where someone's like, well, how did you do research first prospecting? And why are you promoting this random thing to me completely cold? Right. And that was a, that was like my biggest factor. I'm, I think I'm still overcoming, but it's, it's getting there. <laughs> so what do you, what is helping you have those, you know, conversations? Uh, in terms of what do you think? Like, how do you prep yourself for a cold call? Because I'll tell you what, I don't think the anxiety or the nerves go away. Cause I, I've been cold calling people since 2008, dude. You know what I mean? <laughs> so I, it, I still get nervous before, especially if I call like a VP of sales at a decent sized company. I'm like, yeah. I gotta make a good impression on this person. And I still mess up. I, I do all that stuff, man. You know? So I don't think that part ever goes away, but I'm curious, is there anything that you do to prep yourself or, or to yeah. get in like the head, the right head space? So, you know, I'm a big believer in music. Pump up music is yeah. great. Not going to help you not stumble on a word if it happens, but you know, beforehand it's going to be okay. And basically like kind of how I structure my day, um, especially if I'm doing uh, coaching or CrossFit in the morning, I try to get all the hard, really stressful, awkward things out of the way. And one of those things is listening to my own cold calls in the morning. So mm-hmm. after I, you know, do a workout or I, or I wake up and like have some breakfast, sit down, grab coffee. And it's like, listen to my cold calls. Cause that to me is so awkward and unnatural. I don't think anyone actually likes listening to how they sound. If I see someone or meet someone like that, please let me know. That'd be great. <laughs> well, we'll talk to them to see how they do it. But, um, and then I find that like, if I go into a call blitz right after that, I'm a little more in tune and I'm not as nervous to talk to someone about what I'm ready to chat with them about, because I've already like tried to you know, perfect the things that I did wrong yesterday, or I already heard my voice. I already did the awkward thing. Now it's just mm-hmm. time to have like a couple more conversations. Yeah. And it sounds like there's almost a process of, it sounds like mental preparation where if I'm listening to this stuff, I'm thinking about it. Did, yeah. did you play sports or anything in high school or college? So I skateboarded for like, oh my goodness, like a long, long time. I actually yeah. worked at the local Ryer fields, like New England's biggest skate park mm-hmm. as a kid growing up and that was kind of my sport and it was an individual sport. And I think that's like what helped me with my own pump up, you know, is like before you hit that, you know, staircase or you go for that trick, you throw the music on, you've got to get yourself psyched. And it honestly, it's the same thing in CrossFit. When I started coaching people, I saw the, the community aspect or if you needed to push that extra mile, like no one else is going to do it, but you. And that, that definitely played a lot into like my sales career and my, my mentality on it. That's interesting. And skateboarding, by the way, I think is an incredibly underrated sport. I, I think particularly my generation, uh, which is you know, millennials, a little bit older than you, there was like this negative stigma with skaters where we look at yeah. skaters and they're like, like dirt balls or something like that is what people call it or something. <laughs> but the amount of athleticism that you actually need and, and more so I would say coordination for skateboarding. Cause I used to do it when I was little, I wasn't very good at it. Uh, I learned how to do an Ollie. That was like a big thing. Hey, but uh, um, I think there's definitely a correlation there because with the, the prep for the cult, like getting your head right. I imagine if you're going to a skate park, the very first thing that you do when you go to the skate park is probably not like some crazy thing. You know, I don't even know what the moves would be or the jumps. You're probably kind of easing into it. And I think like if you start your day of cold calling and the very first thing you do is pick up the phone to call a VP of sales at a really big company that you need to make a good first impression on, that's going to be a lot harder than if you've listened to some recordings and sort of mentally prepped yourself. There's like a physical preparation too. I, I think whether that's listening to music, standing up, walking around, going on a walk, whatever it is, I think you have some really good points there, man. And like having a routine. So you, you mentioned, and we talked about this before this, this coaching yourself, what are you listening for when you're coaching yourself on your cold calls? Yeah. So basically two things I'm listening 
mostly for low hanging fruit that I, that I miss, which is, you know, just cues that people said, and I should have probably said X, Y, and Z, but instead I was thinking about the thing I needed to say. So I didn't stumble or, or like mess up my words or anything. And that's honestly been one of the biggest things I listen for. Um, I try not to cut people off. I try to make sure I'm piquing their interest and not talking too much. Like I'll time the, the amount of time that I was talking to a prospect to, you know, how long he was actually able to talk and everyone's going to be different. Some people just don't enjoy talking on phone calls. They'd rather be like, okay, yeah, maybe this makes sense. I'll, I'll take the meeting. And there's honestly not much you can do. Some people are going to hang up on you, but you're always going to get those really good calls that you can dissect and see like, Hey, what, what was I actually missing? And I think the other thing I look for um, myself is just really understanding why I'm calling, right? If I, if I noticed that I really just didn't get the point across and I didn't find their pain and I just started to mumble about exactly what I, what, what our software does and stuff like that. That's what I'm trying to critique myself on and get better at. That's really good, man. The, like this empathy, this approach of, I need to listen to how well I am listening. Like, am I actually understanding and listening to them? And then the other thing I heard was, you know, and you could totally tell in the dialogue from the other end and the prospect's tone, is it clear that they actually understand what I'm calling about? And like, because yeah. a lot of times there's this really weird thing, because I used to do a lot of door-to-door too, where, and we were selling house painting services and you have to make it so obvious. Like I would even talk slower. Hey, I'm so-and-so, the company was College Works Painting. With College Works Painting, we're a house painting company. You know what I mean? Like you just have to be really, yeah. really obvious. Um, so I think that's good. Is there is there anything else that you do to? Is there a checklist of things like do you approach the cold call with any sort of structure, or do you compartmentalize certain parts of it? Like you know, have some an intro, a hook, like a close, like that. Yeah kind of thing? And is there like a mental checklist of things that you're trying to accomplish at each stage? Yeah, there's a little bit of both. I've, you know, I've written out kind of like my own playbook of how I like Mm -hmm. to introduce myself and how I like to transition into talking about outbound prospecting. Um, I, I will give credit to Patrick Donnelly a lot of the times when, especially a couple months ago, we started opening up with, Hey, Jason, it's Adam from Lead IQ. I know you weren't expecting me I'm just hoping to try to make your day with an awesome cold call if you have 30 seconds to start. And, you know, if you can get a laugh out of that, then you can probably move on to your pitch. Um, it changes. So the mental checklist, like I try to keep it between a couple of openings and a couple pitches so I don't get like confused or like nervous and, you know, shrink up right before I have the call. But there's definitely a couple of them. And, you know, the, the, the first one is reading the tone of the person. You know, if, if they sound like you're going to be in a nuisance or they're not interested, then you're not going to open up the call with, Hey man, how's it going? Like, I can't believe you picked up the phone. You want to hear a wicked awesome cold call with a joke? You know, they, they you're probably going to lose them anyway. So that, that's, that's one of the, like the, the biggest indicators for me is like, like listening to see, are, are they going to actually like want to talk to me right now? And you can really tell from the first couple seconds. Yeah. It's, it's when people say read the room, it's kind of the same general thing, right? When you step into a room of people and you can tell that it's very serious down, maybe you shouldn't be cracking jokes. And yeah, <laughs> and that's, honestly, it's, it's a lot harder than it seems, oh, you know, and it, very it, hard. It, it takes a little bit of practice to know, like, is this person like toying with me or like, and you're never really going to fully know, but you can mm-hmm. gauge, you can kind of gauge the situation and steer it in what direction you want to. And that, that's, that's kind of where that checklist comes into play. Like, okay, maybe I'm going to actually say this because the opening went this way. You know yeah. what I mean? What kind of opener would you use if you could sense the person maybe answered the phone on accident because they thought it was someone else or they're really short with you? Yeah. What kind um, of intro do you use? Probably more on, you know, the side of like apologetic. Um, mm. If you empathize with someone, because it actually happened to me the other day, someone was expecting a package. And they were also in a meeting, which I'm not too sure if that was the case or not. But she's like, oh, the only reason I picked up is because I was expecting a package. I go, oh, my God, I kind of wish you just hung up on me. Like, I'm so sorry. Hey, while I still have you, like, can I try to call you later on the day or send you an email? And, you know, that actually turned into a meeting because she was like, oh, I can't believe you actually (laughs) still 
tried to sell to me, but I I said it with like, you know, empathy, like, oh my God, I can't believe you actually picked, picked up the phone and kept talking to me. Like, yeah. Yeah. Well, it's, and it sounds like, and I don't know you super well, but in the last couple of times we talked, I get the sense that you actually care about other people. So the fact that someone might've felt like misled that they picked up the phone and it was someone completely different that they thought it would, that probably didn't make you feel very good. And you just talked about like, Oh my bad. Like that's, yeah. that sucks for you. Like you're thinking about the other person. Right. Um, interesting. Is there, is there any other types of, cause people always want to know about intros, man. Is there any other intros that you like to use in any other situations with your cult calls? Um, that's a good question, man. I, I've used a couple, you know, and I think I have some like on the back burner that I'm going to start trying to use. I, if I were to give advice to people, like especially newer people in sales is try to stick with one thing and get used to it for a little while. Like something that you think is like going to stick with you, something that you're going to be okay saying, and then play off of that. Once you know how to get a prospect's attention, then you can start messing around with like different openers and lines and um, it's like the more rejections that you get, honestly, like the more time someone tells me I'm not interested, I, I try to come back with something more different, like, Oh, well, what are you interested in? Like, it, you know, if you're not interested in prospecting, are you interested in something else? Like that could lead to a conversation about keeping your sales force clean. And we also do that. So it's like, oh, okay, you know, I'll send you an email about that then. Is that okay? You know it? Yeah. So mm-hmm. And one thing I hear that you do a lot too, is this asking for permission, yeah. which I like. It's a very Sandler ask. I mean, they call it an upfront contract, but they didn't invent asking for permission in sales, which I, this is a whole nother topic for another time. But, um, so, uh, but I like upfront contracts like that. That's their, their thing. I like that. Um, so I, I think that's good. Is there, you talked about different kind of pitches. What does a pitch sound like? How do you even talk about you do the intro, you got my attention. I'm like, yeah, Adam, what's up? How do you even begin the call usually? Yeah. So, you know, we're all about helping people with workflow and outbound prospecting. And I sell to people who are on LinkedIn sales navigator. So I basically try to acknowledge the fact that, Hey, you know, I was actually researching your company. I noticed a lot of your reps are using LinkedIn premium. Um, And usually to me, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but that usually means they're doing some outbound prospecting and, uh, on sales nav. Does that sound like your team? You, are you guys still outbound prospecting within all this stuff? You know, if you want to bring it back to COVID. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, you know, usually they'll, they'll tell you, they'll say either, yes, we're prospecting or no, we're not. And then you can start to uncover more situations. And I, sometimes I've been leading off with like, great. I love talking about outbound prospecting, not to sound too enthusiastic, but how many people are actually still doing it, you know? And then, and then the conversation starts to unlayer itself. That's really cool. So you open up with personalization, let them know I've been doing the research. You open up with, I call it empathy, but some sort of acknowledgement of what you think is going on in their situation or what you see them doing. Right. And then it sounds like there's these questions that you ask around. And I actually, I call this question stacking. And it's like you give context in the question around what you're asking for. And it sounds like the first couple of questions you ask are very easy to answer. Sure. It's like, how many reps? Uh, 40, you know, um, are they still prospecting? Yes. You know, um, is that on purpose? Yeah, I do that because no. I don't, you know, I, and then after I start asking these kind of questions, I, and then I start poking at like their outbound process because then they can start to uncover a little bit more for me. Um, sometimes people, when I ask them, you know, how many reps they just start going off on what they do for prospecting and everything mm-hmm. else. And then I can go into my pitch and explain actually the reason for my call. Right. And, Cause by that point, they've already given you about a minute of your time. And I usually try to say at the beginning, like, Hey, are you willing to give me about 30 seconds to start? Right. And I've had people have been like, Hey, you earned five minutes of my time. That's great. I'm glad you, you know, kept this conversation going. And usually by that point, it starts to turn into more of a formal thing rather than a big sales pitch because you know, you're, you're uncovering their pain. You're discovering what the organization does in a couple really easy questions. And then you can dive into like, Hey, well, I, th- I think this is actually how we can help you. You know, are you down to see a different way of prospecting? So what I'm hearing is that in your quote unquote pitch at the beginning, you don't actually pitch lead IQ. No, you just talk about the kinds of problems that the people 
that you tend to work with have? And you mentioned specifically um, problems, or you ask around question or problems, excuse me, that you think they might be having. Right. Do people at the beginning ever say, well, so what do you guys do? Yes. I, I'll get cut off a lot. And, yeah. you know, and, and then I'll go into my pitch be like, well, actually, you know, I'm calling because we're helping sales teams like yours with prospecting, yada, yada, yada. Um, a, another reason, Jason, I, I do that in the beginning is because I'm also uncovering the sales tools that they use within mm-hmm. those questions. Like, hey, I noticed you're actually on LinkedIn Sales Nav. Um, are you guys doing outbound prospecting? Right. And they've already answered the fact that, oh, yes, we're actually using LinkedIn as our main source of like finding net new business. Um, and then it can even go into the fact of like, uh, you can word your next pitch in like how you ask about if they're doing outbound prospecting You'd be like, well, are, you know, are they living in Salesforce right now? Like how are they, how are they getting um, the information on these people? Right. And then, and then you know that they use Salesforce, you discover, Oh, you know, we integrate with them. That's another like low hanging fruit something to bring up later in the conversation or write down, you know, I already discovered that and you can start to move on. I'm very much a fan of this approach because the, the pushback that I get with this approach is that, well, you're not, I'm not talking about what we do. So they don't have any context. The context comes from the questions that you're asking. And if, if the person asks you what you do, that's a good thing. That means they're engaged. They're asking you a question yeah, about what you do, you know, that's, that's where I want to be. <laughs> yeah. And then you've actually have, a couple talking points there where you can connect it back. It's like, well, Hey, what I heard is that you use this tool, this tool, and this tool, and that you're having this problem. That's exactly the thing that we help with, <laughs> you know? Um, yeah. And it, it, it honestly, it, it's almost like paving my path towards what I want to do next in sales too. You know, cause when it comes to like a handoff meeting or something, like I've already had a conversation. I know pretty much exactly how these guys are prospecting. Mm-hmm. So I have a better handle on how, we could help them. I'm not going into it cold. So when I tell the account executive, this is exactly what they're doing. I could stay on the call and it, it, like put some more input into the call because I've already, I've already, I already know that this guy has 40 reps and he's using a different provider and he's not happy or he's not getting the right data. And it, 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 it just helps all around, honestly. So, okay. We got a couple more minutes here. I want to dig into some objections that it sounds like you're, you're coming across that I imagine most sales reps are coming across right now. So yep. w- what do you say when someone's like, you know, now is, now is not the right time to take a meeting? Sure. Um, I've been doing a couple of things. Uh, like I said, at first, when I got into outbound, I was like the, the person that was like, oh, no worries. Like, hey, let me send you an email and never hear back from you. Right. Um, I, I guess the pushback really comes into like, you know, I understand that the world is crazy right now and, um, you know, budget might be frozen or you're not evaluating tools at this point. Um, but why not? And I say that like, so what are you using right now? That's making it so worth it that you're not actually going to look at any other tools, right. And not buy or, you know, just look like, see what we actually have to offer and then decide if it's an evaluation from there. How do people respond to that? it's either good or bad. I mean, some, some people are just either like, absolutely not. Like I, you know, just like I told you, we have no budget. Right. And then it's like, okay, hundred percent. Uh, even if it's not like an educational thing, like I'll, I'll try to follow up as best I can without being an annoying sales rep, um, you know, monthly or whatever it is. And, you know, some people actually try to push back on why you say that it's going to be something of value. Right. Mm-hmm. And then it sparks another conversation. Yeah. Yours is very, that's a ballsy approach, man. I like it. It's like, Hey, why not? Yeah. I mean, I, if you don't really challenge it, right. Like I never will really want to be the first person to hang up either. And it's mm-hmm. not in a mean way it, or like an annoying way. It's more the fact that, you know, I, I know I've done my research right with, cause with the tool I have, it, the finding the contact info and stuff like that's the kind of the easy part. You know, the hard part for me is learning what this guy's about, learning about his sales team in a three minute phone call and trying to uncover how I can help him. And if he just completely says like, hey, budgets are frozen, I have no time for any of this. I'm not going to just stop. Right. I, I, and I'm going to be nice about it, but I'm also going to be like, well, you know, why wouldn't you want to look at a tool that could do X, Y and Z? Just curious, you know? Yeah, no, I like that, man. I like it. Uh, okay. A couple questions before you take off here. Sure. I always like to ask about prospecting plays. 
So essentially, is there a way that you like to get in contact with people? You know, for example, it's I connect with them on LinkedIn first, and then I send uh, uh, a message or a DM or a video, and then I hit them on email. Is there a favorite sequence or anything like that that you like to use to get in touch with people? Yeah, man, absolutely. So I usually like to shoot them an email first, and then I like to go on LinkedIn and I hit the follow button just so they're kind of on my radar. So either if they're living in their inbox or if they're living on LinkedIn, that's kind of how I get their attention. Um, and then the next day I'll give them a phone call. Um, and if they don't pick up, I have reference, right? I, they, they probably know who I am if they're on LinkedIn or if I've seen that they've seen my email, I can be like, Hey, you know, sent you over an email with the title, this, like whenever you get a chance, check it out. I think we can help with X, Y, Z can email me back, whatever. Hey, this is Adam with lead IQ. Um, I usually just like to leave a voicemail like the first or second time. And then not until I haven't heard anything for like, you know, 14, 15 days, then the next voicemail is something like, Hey, um, just checking up on some outbound I've actually been doing, you know, the real reason I'm reaching out is because we can help your team with this, this, and this. Um, and I've been messing around with like call blitzes and trying to figure out how to like keep your numbers high every day because activity is definitely very correlated to, um, you know, getting opportunities and getting more people in the pipeline. But there's like a fine line of being strategic about it because you don't want to just call a bunch of random people. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Thanks, man. Well, before you take off, what do you want people to do? How do you want people to connect with you? Yeah, LinkedIn is honestly probably going to be the best way. You guys can just look me up, shoot me a connect, and I will probably just accept it because I'm pretty new to sales and I am always looking to build my network and you know have have like these awesome conversations with new SDRs, people who have been in sales forever. Um, always down. Awesome. Really enjoyed that interview. One of the things that I like just about the Lead IQ company in general is everyone has a lot of fun when it comes to prospecting. And I love the intro. I know you weren't expecting me, but I'm just hoping to make your day with an awesome cold call if you have 30 seconds to start. I think it's unique, but not too far out of the box. It kind of brings a more lighthearted, you know, introduction to the call off the top. And if the person is not one of those grumpy people, like they'll be really receptive to it. So really enjoy you tuning in. Appreciate you. And before you take off, quick favor, I would love if you would leave a review on the podcast. Helps us get more great guests on like Adam. You can do that on iTunes at blissfulprospecting.com slash iTunes. That'll take you straight there. Or just search for Blissful Prospecting on iTunes. Quick, honest review. Would really appreciate it. Thank you for tuning in and we'll talk to you soon.